When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth Shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make Shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDIC. to another episode of the Bulls HQ podcast. Hope you're all traveling well. It's the off season. It's the quiet season for the Bulls. There's not a whole heap going on at the moment. So I thought I'd reach out to to you guys and ask for some questions for a, a bit of a mailbag style podcast. So I've received a few questions. So my plan is to go through those questions, give you my answers, give you my opinions and let you know what I think. Um, I'm going to try something different today. I usually have a guest with me, but um, I've decided to do a solo pod. I'm going to give it a go. I remember running a poll on Twitter probably about a month ago asking if people would be cool with podcasts that are solo podcasts or if they preferred them with guests. The the poll was literally split 50-50, so I'm a pretty indecisive person, so that didn't really help me out. So um, what I thought I'd do is I'd try doing a solo pod with this mailbag style Typically, I will have a guest on, but um, I thought I'll give this a go. Happy for you to send th- send me through some feedback on how you think that went, whether I should do more of it, less of it, never do it again. Whatever your opinion is, just let me know, but um, we'll give it a go. So, uh, But yeah, I thought it would be a solo pod would probably be conducive to, conducive to these uh, mailbag styles of podcasts. So what I'm going to do is I've received a few questions. I'm just going to go through them as I sort of receive them. So um, shout out to all the all the people that sent through questions. Um, and I really appreciate that. It makes my life a little easier in terms of coming up with some topics of, of things to discuss when it comes to Bulls basketball. So as you can imagine, given that the Bulls are in the off-season, the majority of these questions are centered around the off-season itself, be it the draft, be it trades, free agency, those sorts of things. So a lot of the questions will have those sorts of themes. So obviously happy to go through that and um, give you my opinion on how things stand as as of as of this point in in May. Obviously a lot of this could change from um, until we get to the draft, until we get to the off season, uh, the official off season, I guess. But uh, the first question comes from G Man. So at G Man two one five. So he asks, does Garpax have the guts to trade Jimmy, signaling a change in philosophy? Well, I mean, if we're to take their word on it, I think they are prepared to trade Butler. 
So if, if we read into their words, particularly at the, the season-ending press conference, um, I think they're definitely going to be exploring the idea of trading Jimmy Butler. Um, John Paxson made it pretty clear that they're not going to trade Jimmy just for the sake of trading Jimmy Butler. So, I mean, does that necessarily mean they have the, the guts to trade Butler? I think they do, but what they're really waiting for is a team to wow them. They're pretty much waiting for a team like Boston to come to them and say, Bulls, um, here, we'll give you the first overall pick in this draft, which is likely to be Markel Fultz. We'll give you that, maybe a couple other pieces as well, and you give us Jimmy Butler so we can get closer to beating, beating LeBron and the Cavs and then potentially the Warriors. So that's what the Bulls are waiting for. They're waiting for that home run trade to come through for Butler. I don't think they're necessarily the ones going out there and sourcing trades for Butler. Um, I don't think they're doing that. I think they're waiting to be wowed, as I mentioned before. Don't think that's going to happen, to be honest with you. I don't think, now that the the result of the, the lottery has been settled, I don't think Boston are a team that are going to offer a their first round pick, which is the first pick in the draft. They're not going to offer that for Jimmy Butler. So I think we can tick off the Celtics as a team that potentially would be interested in Butler. After that, you got the Lakers. If they trade their pick, it's purely going to be a trade for Paul George. They're not going to do it for Jimmy Butler. Philadelphia, I mean, potentially, maybe if they can land Kyle, Kyle Larry in a free agency, potentially they may be up for trading whoever they select at number three and a few other pieces for Jimmy Butler. But again, I wouldn't, I wouldn't put, um, I wouldn't put money on that. And then you start getting into picks four and five and. Even though there may be teams there that may be willing to deal for Butler, so Phoenix have pick four, the, the Kings have pick five, are you really going to trade pick four or five for Jimmy Butler? I don't think it's worth it to do that. So, um, And to John Paxson's point, they're not going to make a deal unless you know they, they receive something significant back for Jimmy Butler, which I don't think pick four or five is. So do they have the guts to trade Jimmy? I think they do. Are they going to receive a package that entices them to make such a move i don't think so so i think you i think we'll see jimmy butler back with jack back with the bulls next season so g man also had a second part of his question uh would wade bolt i don't think so i don't think so particularly if the bulls hang on to jimmy butler he's probably the main reason aside from the 23.8 million dollars that he's standing to make uh, next season, Jimmy Butler is the real reason that, that Wayne Wade will stay in terms of playing personnel. If you remove Jimmy from the equation, then then yeah, maybe maybe Wade hangs around just to cash that big check. But if, if Butler stays, then Wade will stay as well. So I, I, to answer your question, will Wade bolt? I, I doubt it. I'm pretty sure he's coming back. He's going to opt in. So he's got until the end of June to do so. So we'll probably know at the end of the June whether Wade stays or whether he's going to go hit the market. But um, I think I'm pretty confident in saying that uh, both Butler and Wade will be Bulls next season. So uh, we'll see how that goes, though. You never know. Okay, so thanks for that question, G-Man. Uh, next one is from Patrick. So at O'MalleyRick8 on Twitter there. So Patrick asks, your reaction to Stefano's Rockets East approach and your ideal replacements for Garpak. So... Uh, to Patrick's point, my my friend on Twitter, Bulls friend, um, I'm sure if you guys are following me, you're probably already following Stefan. He's an, he's an accomplished writer over at The Athletic, does a great job covering the Bulls. He wrote an article a few weeks back posing the idea that the Bulls should really take an approach similar to what the Rockets have done in terms of 
how to build around Jimmy Butler um, and, and applying that same methodology that they put forward with James Harden, surrounding him with shooters, letting him dominate the ball and having the Bulls or the, or the Rockets in this instance running a lot of pick and roll, having James Harden be that that ball handler effectively acting as the point guard and then spacing the floor around Harden with shooters and, and a role man that can get to the rim like Clint Compala does for the Houston Rockets. Pretty much his, his idea was taking that approach and applying it to the Bulls, which completely makes sense. If you're going to keep Jimmy Butler, the best way to build around him is to build a team that fits his, fits his playing style. And, and as Jimmy... As Jimmy plays, is very similar to Harden in the sense that he wants to operate in the pick and roll. He wants to dominate the ball. Um, he's going to be the guy that wants to score first and, and will look to pass off that off, off that second. Now, the best way to get Jimmy Butler efficient, efficient points is obviously to space the floor for him to get to the rack and to get to the rim as easy as possible, just like the Rockets have done with James Harden. So I think it's a good approach. It's definitely the approach the Bulls need to take if they're keeping Butler, but that may be out of their hands. And, and what I mean by that is if Dwayne Wade comes back, if he opts into his deal, so he has a player option, it's not a team option. If he opts into that deal, that makes it quite difficult for the Bulls to come up with enough cap space in order to potentially go out and source some shooters. The Bulls have also indicated that they're pretty keen on bringing back Rajon Rondo as well. If that's the case, you can add his $13 million to the cap sheet as well. So if Rondo is back, if Wade is back, that makes it a bit difficult in terms of filling out the roster with guys that can shoot, particularly guys that can start with Jimmy Butler that can shoot. So I don't think that's likely to happen. So in terms of the Rockets' approach, I think it's a, it's the right approach. Do I think it's going to happen? No, I don't. I think the Bulls are going to pretty much run back the same thing, um, unfortunately. So that that's my guess there. So... The second part of Patrick's question was ideal guard packs replacements. So this is another thing that um, Stefan as well as Will Gottlieb and I believe Stefan's brother as well, Michael, they, they recorded a podcast on The Athletic sort of going through some ideal replacements for guard packs. So, I mean, there there are some good candidates out there, some, some good younger candidates that uh, have more of an analytics focus. So uh, the first name that comes to my mind, and it's the first name that's always mentioned by Bulls fans, is Sam Hinkie. There's no way in hell that um, the Ryan's the Ryan's Doss would hire Sam Hinky, but if you think about that that type of guy, I think that's the the type of uh, replacement that you'd like to see for Garpack. Someone that's younger, someone that's better with the cap, someone that's more analytics focused, then has more of a, a fresh approach approach to things. So I'm not too sure what's happening with Wes Wilcox and the Atlanta Hawks, but he could be a potential option. Uh, Matt Lloyd, who used to work for the Bulls, has gone to the Orlando Magic as an assistant GM, got promoted to the general manager as an interim at the moment, given that they replaced their GM or effectively told their GM to get out. So Matt Lloyd is another option that I'll be looking at. He fits in that same mold, very analytical driven. He's a young, a younger guy, would have a fresh approach. So Matt Lloyd would be interesting. Uh, Mike Zarin, who is the Boston uh, assistant general manager. So I think he would be another, he would be, he'd probably be the best option to be honest with you. He's probably the high, most highly uh, sought after assistant GM for, for sure. And, and it's probably the most sought, sought after guy to be the next GM of, of, uh, of another team. So he, he's definitely an option as well, whether he would leave the Celtics to join the Bulls. I'm not too sure. I'm not too sure if he's really 
you know, what his motives are, whether he wants to have that general manager position. And if he does, does he want to take over a team like the Bulls? Who knows? But they are some potential replacements that I would be high on. I'm not really interested in entertaining a former player that has no experience. Definitely not interested in um, entertaining an old coach. What I mean by that is I would not want a guy like Phil Jackson necessarily running my organization. So what I think the Bulls need to do, if they do replace Garpax, which is not going to happen, but let's just pretend it did, what what we what we'd need to see there is a younger guy, a fresher, a, a younger guy with analytic approach that has a fresh outlook on things that's ready to change up the entire organization structure. So that's what we need to see. But again, doubt doubt that's going to happen. So yeah, no point really, no point really wishing for it. I guess it's uh it's just frustration. Okay, next question. So this one comes from my mate on Twitter. So Felipe Carvel Hayes, and I know I've stuffed his name up because I've he's, uh, Felipe has sent through a question back in the Dennis Podman days, and I stuffed up his name, his last name. Then, and I'm pretty sure I've done it again, but you know, I tried my best, Felipe. I'm sure, I'm sure you can appreciate that. So Felipe asks, more likely, um, one, Garpax are geniuses, and we are all wrong, <laughs> or two. Team remains, team remains mediocre for 10 plus years, profits falls, and Jer- Jerry sells. <laughs> um, more likely, Jesus. Well, I, I don't know if the team's going to remain mediocre for 10 years. And the, and the reason I say that is because I don't necessarily know if they're going to have the pieces to remain med- mediocre for 10 years. At, at some point, Jimmy Butler will fall off. Maybe that will happen within the next five years. So... He's pretty much the team at the moment, so unless they are really ready to get some reinforcements around Jimmy, um, the team will fall off at some point, so they won't remain mediocre, so maybe that's more likely to happen. I don't know if profits are going to fall enough to the point where Jerry sells, so that's probably not likely. But at the same time, Garpax are definitely not geniuses, and I don't know if we're necessarily all wrong. So you've given me a question here, Felipe, that I don't think either option is really likely at all so i'm not really sure how to answer this question other than say i don't think garpax are geniuses i think we're probably mostly all right Uh, i think i'm confident in saying that i think at some point the team is going to move from mediocre to being poor they'll have to rebuild it at some point no matter how uh how often they're or how how much they're trying to put put that off they're definitely gonna have to rebuild at some point but I don't see Jerry selling this thing. Once he goes, I think Michael will just naturally take over and, and the Reinsdorfs will continue to reign over the Chicago Bulls franchise. So I don't see them necessarily selling. So yeah, hopefully that answers your question. Your question, it's probably uh, probably not the answer you want to necessarily hear, but uh, yeah, that's my take on that one. Next question comes from at Coldstone to King. So... He's asked me this question on Twitter. What would your first priority in the offseason be? How would you clear the cap sheet for 2018? And do you bring back both uh, Nikola Mirotic and Cristiano Felicio? So what would my first priority in the offseason be? Well, my first priority was would be trying to trade Jimmy Butler for that, first, for that Boston first pick. Again, that's probably not going to be happening. So that would be my first approach. Give it a go. If they say no, okay, fine. Um, but that's what I would be doing. They're out. If we can't trade the 
try and trade Butler for that first pick, then I'm of the opinion that, you know, have a look for other trades for, for Jimmy Butler. I, th- I do believe that it's time to rebuild. But having said that, I don't necessarily want to trade Butler just for the sake of doing it. If there isn't a suitable trade partner out there, then run run the team back to an extent, bring Jimmy back and try to implement a Rockets East if we're going to refer back to the previous questions um, and, and do something similar to what Stefan mentioned and try to build Jimmy, uh, pr- try to build around Jimmy with a team that makes sense. Um, so that would be my fallback priority. So even though I want to trade Butler, I don't necessarily mind the idea of also building around him. That's not the worst case scenario, I guess. It's, it's You're going to remain a competitive team if you do so. Now, the issue with that is obviously, as I mentioned before, that you don't really have control over Dwayne Wade's contract. And that's quite a huge contract. So $23.8 million for next season. So my, my priority would be trying to coerce him to opt out of that deal if I can. I don't know how you do that. Maybe you threaten to trade Jimmy Butler and maybe maybe Wade just thinks, no, nah, I don't want to be part of this team next year. Um, if you don't trade Jimmy Butler, you can't really use the excuse that, oh, we, we're rebuilding, you know, um, that doesn't really fly. Maybe you try telling Wade, oh, we're going to bring you off the bench next season. Do you want to, if, do, you want to do that? If not, maybe you best served. Um exploring options with other teams who knows but at the end of the day Dwayne Wade has complete control if he wants to opt into that 23.8 million dollars then he will um, which and I think he will so that's gonna that's gonna be difficult in terms of what in terms of how you can shape your offseason okay so that, that that's something that we need to make to make clear because in, in large part the Bulls offseason is going to be shaped by whatever Dwayne Wade decides to do um, how I would clear the cap sheet for 2018? Well, I mean, as the Bulls keep telling us, they didn't sign any bad long-term contracts in 2016 off-season when other teams were doing so. They obviously gave Dwayne Wade a two-year deal. They gave uh, Rondo a two-year deal. Um, those guys will naturally come off the books in 2018. So there's not really much you can do there. That's essentially $40 million of cap space that you can earn just by letting those guys you know, play out their last the final year of the deal and then pretty much telling them, you know, thanks, but no thanks. We're not going to be re-signing you again. That would be the easiest way to clear the 2018 cap sheet. But then you've also got to make assessments on guys like Cameron Payne, Jerry and Grant, Bobby Portis. I mean, are these guys you want to keep around? If so, obviously they're on cheap contracts, so, so that makes sense. But if you don't necessarily see them as part of the future, you could deal them on. You wouldn't really be creating a whole ton of cap space so it doesn't necessarily make a ton of sense if they are providing some production to trade them away so really the 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 best way to create cap space in 2018 is just saying to Dwayne Wade and Rondo you know we're not going to be bringing you back the only other real substantial material way to do so is to also get rid of Robin Lopez so he'll have over 14 million dollars in 2018 that the Bulls will owe him can you find a destination for Robin Lopez. I'm not too sure about that. He is a good player on a good contract, but the issue is that there are a lot of centers in the NBA and with with the the NBA moving to smaller lineups, do teams necessarily want to trade for a guy like Robin Lopez, a big lumbering center who has value but isn't necessarily going to be playing more than 25, 26 minutes a night and He's getting up in age. He'll be 29 soon. 
Um, do you want to be paying that sort of money for a guy who's probably going to be a backup in 2018? You probably won't find a team willing to do so. So I don't, I don't, I don't know. You may, you may be able to get get off Robin Lopez uh, last year of his contract, but you're not going to get anything substantial in return. I'd be surprised if he got anything more than a second round pick, just just purely uh, purely based on the way the league has moved and the fact that teams don't necessarily want to be training for centers at this point. So there's not a whole heap the Bulls need to do in order to create cap space for 2018. The problem is, though, they're not really going to have a whole heap of cap space necessarily to sign two or three guys, which the Bulls will need to put with, uh, which the Bulls will need to put next to Jimmy Butler. Um, so that's that's going to be the problem there. Now to the final part of your question: Do you, do we bring back both Miritich and Felicio? I think you do. I think you try to do so, but but you do so with uh, with a number in mind. You you go to the both guys and say, "This is what we're budgeting for each of you." Are you happy with that? If they're not, let them explore the market. Uh, Miritich is a restricted free agent, so you have more control with him. Felicio is unrestricted, I believe, but it, uh, the, the Arenas rule will apply to, to Felicio, meaning the Bulls still have the leverage there to, to bring him back. But at the same time, um, do you want to necessarily be paying big dollars for a backup center? Do you want to be paying more than starter starter value for a guy like Miritich who may not necessarily be a starter? I think it's up in the air as, as to whether Miritich is a starter or whether he's a backup. Anything more than $15 million is more than starter money. That's a number I'm probably not comfortable spending on Miritich. Anything more than 6 to $7 million for a guy like Felicia, I probably wouldn't want to pay either. So... Um, they're, they're my numbers personally for those guys. I think you need to bring them back if you're building around Jimmy Butler because the the, the alternative is you only have um, a few million dollars in cap space. So my most recent cap sheet that I've looked at, which includes pretty much just getting rid of Carter Williams, Laverne and Anthony Morrow, um, as well as having Wade opt-in and Rondo and Can- uh, Isaiah Cannon being brought back, the Bulls will only have about $6 million in cap space. Now, if you remove Miritich and Felicio from that, that number quickly becomes $18 million. But $18 million isn't a lot of money to, to find a starting power forward as well as a backup center, as well as a backup point guard and maybe even a wing as well. So it's not a lot of money to be spending. So if you're retaining Butler, you need to, I think, as, as well retain Miritich as well as Felicio, but you do so... You do so responsibly by paying an amount that makes sense. Okay, so thanks for that question. Next question comes from my mate, Sharon Mitchell Jr. So at Sharon ILJP on Twitter. So Mitch is the co-host of The Bull Show. So that's where you would know Mitch from. But um, Mitch asks, if the Bulls somehow rid themselves of Wade and Rondo, what would the plan, what would your plan be this offseason? So... If you get rid of Wade and Rondo, you pretty much free up roughly $40 million in cap space. It's a little bit less than that, but that's what you would effectively create. Now, if you do so, you pretty much need you need to go out there and sign yourself a point guard and a, and a shooting guard because there is no one on the bench that's ready to step up to fill those roles. So we saw in the playoffs how bad Jerry and Grant and Michael Carter-Williams looked. I'm not high on Cameron Payne at all. I think he's going to be, at best, a backup point guard. So if Wade and, and Rondo are to go, then you still need to find their replacements and you'll have effectively $50 million to do so. Um, if they leave, 
players that I'm interested in uh, in terms of point guards. It's wearing my patriotic hat. Uh, Paddy Mills is definitely someone I'd be looking at. I'm not too sure if he would leave San Antonio. I'm sure they're going to offer him a good contract. At the same time, I think Paddy Mills would make a lot of sense for a team like Philadelphia. So they may be outpricing the Bulls in terms of what we'd be willing to pay versus what they can pay. So obviously with Brett Brown as coach, he was previously the uh, the head coach of the Australian the Australian basketball team and, and with Ben Simmons there as well. Um, Paddy Mills fit there makes sense. Um, so he we may be outbidded by the Sixers, but he is definitely a guy I would look at. Above him, you've got guys like Drew Holiday, George Hill, and Jeff Teague. I think they're good fallback positions as well. They may be a bit pricey, a bit too costly, particularly Hill and Holiday. Um, but depending on what their market is, I would also be entertaining those guys and, and, and thinking about bringing them in at least to potentially offering those guys uh, a contract. But thereafter, the point guard market falls off pretty quickly. I'm obviously, I'm obviously omitting names like Kyle Lowry and Chris Paul because there's just not going to be... I don't think there's going to be enough cap space for them to... Well, there will be technically enough cap space to sign them, but I don't think they're going to come to a team that's not going to have Dwayne Wade on it. They're not going to join just Jimmy Butler and Robin Lopez and maybe Miritich. They're not leaving their current teams to do that. So I've, I've, I wouldn't even consider those guys. Um, so there's not a whole, a whole heap of point guard options, but those names that I listed would be the ones that I'd be targeting. Obviously, in the draft as well, there's there's potential point guard options that Bulls can explore there, but you would want to get an experienced player in it at, um, at point guard. If Wade were to leave, um, the name that I'm really, really interested in is JJ Redick. The the shooting guard market is really bad in in uh, in this upcoming offseason. So I'll, I would definitely be looking at JJ Redick. He's old. He's a bit old, 32 years old. He's looking probably going to be looking for a nice payday, probably something north of $15 million over three to four years. So that may be a bit pricey considering he, he's getting on in age and he's predominantly just a shooter. Um, he does play good defense, however, but um, that would probably be pricey if you could get JJ for a number closer to 12. I think that would be an interesting product, uh, prospect. But after that, the, the shooting guard market isn't really good. Um, you've got Contavious Coldwell Pope. He, he's he's going to stay at Detroit. Uh, he'll probably get a max offer and that will match. He's a restricted free agent. Dion Waiters. <laughs> Look, Dion had a good year with Miami, but he's not necessarily a player that I would want to be adding unless you can get him cheap again. Uh, maybe maybe his market's still dry, so he obviously signed a small small deal with Miami. Maybe teams are still out on Dion, and you can get him for a, a decent amount, maybe. Maybe in that case, but I wouldn't want to be paying him eight figures. Uh, former bull Kyle Corver. Maybe you can explore explore that again. He would be he would be perfect next to Jimmy Butler, but but again, Kyle's getting on in age. He's uh in his mid thirties and closer to re- closer to retirement than his prime years. So Kyle's someone definitely I, w- I would I would hope being the uh, the Bulls would be exploring, but potentially uh the fit may not be great. And you know if if the Cavs get to the finals again, which they're most likely going to, not necessarily sure that. Uh, Kyle would want to come back to the Bulls in that case. He probably wants to win a title at this point in his career. After Corby, you get to names like Andre Robertson, Tim Hardaway Jr., 
Jonathan Simmons, Tony Allen, Tyreek Evans, these sorts of names. I mean, Jonathan Simmons, he's he's definitely someone I would I would I would like the Bulls to take a look at, another spur. So if the Bulls could come away with two spurs and, and start Jimmy uh, start Jonathan Simmons and Patrick Mills next to Jimmy Butler, that would be kind of cool. But um, again, I don't, I don't think I don't think Jonathan Simmons will be an option. He's probably retained by the Spurs. So there's there's not a whole lot of good options there. I think cheaper options like Tarbo Cephalosha, another former Bull, he may be an option. Ben McLemore and Justin Holiday, guys that potentially could be shooters. Um, there's still potential left in both of those guys cheaper options that I think the Bulls could explore. So that, that would be interesting prospects as well as maybe someone like Ian Clark as well on the Warriors. He could uh, he, he could be nice to Jimmy Butler. He can spot up, play a bit of point guard, play a bit of shooting guard. He can hit the three and, and doesn't necessarily dominate the ball. So he would fit next to Jimmy Butler well if we, if we start thinking about that Rockets approach as well. So um, look, those names that I listed aren't necessarily game changers. They're good role players. I wouldn't want to be signing them to long-term deals on big dollars. They're, they'd be players that I would want to sort of fit in for uh, two years maybe, something of that nature. But again, it, it really depends on what the market dictates as well as what Dwayne Wade decides to do. But um, the best option may be, the best option for the Bulls may be, you know, it may not sound like it now, but Maybe in hindsight, in a few years' time, the best option may be for the Bulls for Wade to opt in, maybe sign a shooter from the bench, and then take that cap space in 2018 and try to find that shooting guard solution then um, because the names in, in the 2017 offseason aren't really aren't necessarily ones to write home about, and I wouldn't want to be investing big dollars into them unless they're, they're reasonable value contracts. So, yeah, if, if Wade and Rondo are to leave... You try to replace them as best you can with guys that fit next to Butler perfectly, shooters, guys that don't necessarily want to dominate the ball, uh, and, and guys like Redick and Patrick Mills don't necessarily do that. They play good defense as well, come from good systems. They're guys I would like to see as bulls, but um, how feasible that is, I'm not too sure. Uh, next question comes from at HandleMeTweets. Um his question is, will it really take not selling out the arena to actually achieve hashtag fire guard packs? <laughs> probably, I guess that's probably the only way that it's going to happen. I think the most likely way that guard packs leave the organization is not necessarily from them being fired, but them just saying, I've had enough and they resign and they want to go do some some other things. So obviously, uh, Paxson was close to doing that in the past and, and Reinsdorf convinced him to stay on and just changed his title, changed his position. Um, so I think the most likely way that these guys leave the organization is by their their own volition whenever they please to whenever they choose to do so. I don't think they're going to be fired. I'm not necessarily sure as well if it's in the DNA of the Chicago sports fans to to stop selling out the arena. So I don't necessarily know if that's something that's feasible as well. So maybe Maybe if the team continues to hover around 38 to 41 wins, somewhere around there, and they, they remain mediocre and either just miss the playoffs or get in and get get dominated in, as an eight seed, whatever it may be, maybe then team uh, fans start switching off from the team and starts moving away and you know not necessarily giving their business to the organization. Maybe then it will happen, but I wouldn't be betting on it, to be honest with you. Um, I think they've got lifetime deals. 
um, unless they they unless they choose to walk away. Uh, I don't think it'll be something that happens at the hands of the Reinsdorfs at all. So um, yeah, I wouldn't be banking on the hashtag fire guard packs to actually to actually foster an actual change there in the front office. I wouldn't be betting on that, but maybe I'm wrong. Hopefully I'm wrong. Next question, final question from TNAC23 at Tom Naka uh, on Twitter. I hope I've pronounced that last name correctly. If I haven't, then uh, forgive me. But um, Tom's question is, if we stay at uh, 16, so pick 16, uh, potential draft choices include... Ferguson, Mitchell, Collins, Diallo, Allen, and a few more. Who do you like? Yeah, it's an interesting one. To be perfectly honest with you, I don't really like a ton of those guys. I'm not really high on who the Bulls can draft at pick 16, purely because I think this draft, whilst it's strong, I think it's strong in the top 10 to 12. Um, thereafter, I'm not necessarily keen on the draft itself. It, I think it begins to fade away. That's just obviously my opinion. But um, if the Bulls had a pick nine as an example, I would be more confident and, and more more happy about where they would be placed. Um, however, they're obviously picking at 16, and, and none of the names really at 16 do much for me. Of the names you listed, probably Donovan Mitchell is probably my... Uh, preferred option. I think he he makes sense next to Jimmy Butler. Uh, he's a very good athlete. I think his his wingspan and his length is something that you can work with defensively. I think his shooting is something that can be improved on. I think he can play a bit of both guard spots as well. Play on the wing as well. I like his versatility as a starter as well as a bench player. So, of the names you listed there, he would probably be my option. I don't necessarily know if the Bulls should be drafting. A for position, um, so I don't know if they should be looking at big men. I'm uh, hoping they're not looking at big men, uh, but realistically, the Bulls should be taking best player available. Um, and of those names you listed there, Mitchell is the one um, that that interests me the most. But really, I mean, we we can list out all these players, and I've made this joke a few times, and I'll probably continue to make this joke, but. I think the names that we need to concern ourselves with are Justin Jackson and Luke Kennard. Those two guys, they're, they're prototypical Bulls guys. Um, and to be honest with you, they're, they're slated to go in that mid-first mid round, anywhere between, say, 14 to 18. I think you're going to see Justin Jackson and Luke Kennard be drafted. Both players come from big programs, both in terms of uh, age, they're not necessarily uh, freshmen. So obviously, Justin Jackson is a junior. Canard is a sophomore. They're not necessarily killer athletes. They're guys that project as good shooters. <laughs> they can't, as I mentioned before, they come from big, uh, big programs. They look to be guys that would be good professionals. Not necessarily going to to be problematic in terms of their personality and these sorts of things. So. They are your prototypical Bulls picks. They're not uh, obviously North Carolina and Duke. The Bulls don't have any affiliation with them in terms of the same way they do with the uh, you know New Mexico or Iowa State or something like that. But um, if you think back on the type of player John Paxson gets or tries to get, he wants to get that sound, fundamentally sound type of player that will, will play on both ends, do everything well, and comes from a big program. And both Justin Jackson and Luke Kennard. Do, do exactly that now 
I'm very hopeful that the Bulls take neither at 16, but if I'm being facetious and if I'm being pessimistic, that's what I assume the Bulls will do because it just seems very ballsy. So um, we can talk about guys like John Collins. We can talk about uh, Donovan Mitchell, even a guy like Zach Collins maybe. But realistically, are those guys, if they're on the table, are they going to be picked by the Bulls or are they more likely to go with someone like Justin Jackson who comes from North Carolina? He's a wing that can shoot, can play can play some defense, has a long wingspan, uh, projects to be a decent wing, and, and that's, that's what the Bulls need. Yeah, I'd be leaning towards Justin Jackson as much as that would pay me. Um, he's a 22-year-old. That's where I'd be leading with with that one on that one. I wouldn't be expecting a non-typical Bulls pick in that range with pick 16. But you never know. They may surprise me. They may they may go for a freshman. They don't usually draft freshmen, but um, they may do so. So who knows? But uh, I wouldn't be banking on it. All right. That just about does it in terms of all the questions that I received. So appreciate everyone sending them through. So uh, yeah, as I mentioned before, that definitely makes my life easier. And uh, yeah, thank you to all the questions. So um, appreciate that. Hopefully having another episode of Bulls HQ coming to you shortly. I'm planning to get one up with another guest in the coming days. So if you didn't like this solo pod, let me know. Again, I want to hear about it. Uh, yeah, if, you, if you're more inclined to be listening to podcasts with guests, um, I've got another one coming in the coming days and I'm pretty sure that will be a fun one. So uh, be on the lookout for that one. I won't spoil it too much, but... Um, yeah, it'll, it'll be a fun, long, in-depth Bulls conversation to um, to hopefully feel your need during the off-season. So uh, look out for that. And um, yeah, I'll talk to you all soon. Davis, historian and co-host of the sports podcast, Burn It All Down. And now I'm hosting the new season of American Prodigy, all about Black girls in gymnastics. For the last 40 years, Black gymnasts have moved from the margins to the core of the sport and changed gymnastics along the way. Now they tell their stories. You'll meet trailblazers like Diane Durham, superstars like Jordan Childs, and everyone in between. Listen to American Prodigies on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, Stitcher, or wherever you get your podcasts.